0: Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message this morning is Positioned for a New Thing. Positioned for a New Thing. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19, it says this, For I am about to do something new. This is God speaking. I am about... To do something new. And then he says, see, I have already begun. And then he asks the question, do you see it? I'm about to do something new. I have already begun. Do you see it? And then he says two more statements. He says, I will make A dry path. I will make a pathway. That's what he says. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Have you ever been in a wilderness season where nothing is alive and you feel completely alone? Nothing is alive. You're trying to find something good. Can't find anything good. He goes, I will make a pathway in the wilderness. And then he says one last statement. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. We're talking about a God who can create a river. We're talking about a God that throws stars in the air and doesn't lose count and he names every single one. We're talking about a God who truly can count every hair on your head. For some of us, it's much less difficult. But we're talking about God here. In the next chapter, Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, it says this. I will pour water on him... Who is thirsty. Where your soul is dry. Your heart is dry. Your life is dry. Put those scriptures together. I am already doing something new. I will pour water on those who are dry. If you came walking in here this morning. And you are feeling dry. I've got great news for you. His eye is on those who... Say, I am dry. He says I will pour water on you. And then he says this for those of you who are parents. I will pour my spirit upon your children. And I will bless your descendants. If you're sitting in this room and you're saying well let's do it. What are you waiting for? Put A pathway in my wilderness. Put a river. Come on. Don't you see? My son is acting like a fool. Come on. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the person next to you. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Then he says, I want to quote one more scripture. It's in John chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus says, my father is always working and so am I. We can't see him working in our life. We can't see it. We can't see angels going up and going down. We can't see it. We, we can't see him making sure that our next breath has air. We can't see it. But because we can't see it, doesn't mean that it's not happening. In um, Job chapter 12 verse 10, it says this. The breath, the breath, the breath of every human is in his hand. No, the breath of every living thing is in his hand. And the breath of every human. This is how active. How involved he is. So I don't know how involved he is. He is involved with every heartbeat. Do you know your heart does not need need your brain to beat? Your heart doesn't need your brain. We can prove this if, if you're a mother in this room and you ever had an ultrasound of your baby. What's the very first thing that gets made? You go in there and you say, oh, I see a baby. You see a baby, see that little flickering thing? Yeah, that's the heart. Where's his body? Hasn't been formed yet. Where's the brain? Hasn't been formed yet. It's just beaten. Where did that come from? God started the heart. Do you know that the heart is the only thing that cannot get cancer? You can have skin cancer, brain cancer. You can have bone cancer. You can have lung cancer. You cannot get heart cancer. It's a spark of God. God started that spark. You can take your heart and put it in a petri dish full of cancer and the heart will kill 99% of the cancer outside of the heart. It's a spark of God. You've never met anybody that says, I have heart cancer. It doesn't exist. It's a spark of God. This is how involved he is in your life. And he's saying to you, he's saying to me, I'm doing a new thing I've already begun. Now I've heard preachers preach from this message as a young man, as a teenager, and they had a lot of um, uh, passion and they had the command of every word much better than I do. And and when they would deliver this verse and this message, the the church and the Pentecostal movement that I grew up in would just, hey, hey, he's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. Then we walk out and we're like, I don't see anything going new. (laughs) This feels just like a long December. It's January, but it feels like December. There's nothing changed. The only thing that's changed is the calendar it took me a long time to realize that although God is doing something new, if we are not positioned for the new, we will never experience the new. I can buy you a new house and tell you the address and say there's a million dollars sitting on the kitchen table. If you don't go to the house, it just sits there. God may be doing something new in your life, but unless you're positioned, it just sits there. Everybody say, it just sits there. One, two, three. Say it again, one, two, three. It just sits there. We have to make sure that we're in position. So I'm gonna give you three things. Number one is you have to burn everything. Number two, you, you have to uh, be willing to go low and stay low. And number three, you've got to ignite that keystone habit. So let me go and, and unpack each one of those three. Number one is that you have to burn everything. And this is one of those moments where you say, I don't know that I'm willing to burn everything. And because of that, if that causes me to miss out on what God is doing new, then so be it. That's that's what many people say. Because burning everything is so hard. Because it's a major step of faith, you're going to. I'm going to describe what I'm saying in a minute, but l- let me just say this: It is so hard to burn what you have affection for, for something that you are believing for. In Romans chapter twelve, verse one, it says this. Uh, Paul says this: I'm urging you to offer. Your life as a living sacrifice. Your life. What does this entail? This, this entails everything that Jesus wouldn't do. This entails everything that is dear to you. But it's a secret in your life. This entails everything that you believe in. But it causes friction. This entails lusts and desires that you know God does not approve of. To sit back and say, I'm going to lay it all down and let it burn. There's things that God's asking me to do that I don't want to do. It burns. It all burns. Sometimes we build our own theology. God is everywhere. I don't need to go to church on Sundays. That's your theology. There's the omnipresence of God. And then there's the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence is indeed God is everywhere. The manifest presence is these are the places where you will experience me. This, the, 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 the grudges that you have towards someone. These people I will never speak to again. That's got to burn. All of it has to burn. I'm never going to speak ill of a person that's not standing there ever again. That's got to burn. Well, I'm just stating the facts. We don't want to know the facts. We want to know that you have burnt your opinion. If they're not there, you don't talk about them. These are the things. You can't have colorful adjectives outside the church and clean it up when you come in the church. Everything has to burn. It all has to burn. It's all got to burn. I was in Brazil a couple weeks ago and, uh, we, we met, we're talking to people at the altar and we, we met this person that went to a witch doctor. Because they were so upset that this, uh, that she was so upset that her boyfriend left her. He went to a witch doctor to, so, to cast a spell on him so that he would like her. And so she went to a witch doctor and the witch doctor said, If you do this and you do that and you do this, a spirit will come into your life and it will cause men to desire you. She laid in a bathtub and put rose petals inside of the bathtub and invited this spirit that Brazilians know it's a common name. Kind of like if I say Lucifer, you know I'm talking about Satan. But it's a common name. It's a a name that they're familiar with. And they tried to tell me what it was, but they couldn't translate it from Portuguese to English. Uh, They didn't know how to translate it. And so they were talking to each other on how to translate it, and, and they couldn't translate it to me. But they all knew what it was. This spirit that men just are constantly looking. Looking at their body. Looking at their eyes. Desiring them. There's a spirit. And I want to say. I, I used to have a friend in high school. She was very pretty. She was like a supermodel. I remember sitting there in a pizza restaurant. And she would count the number of guys that would look at her. She'd go one. Two. Three. before we got off the table she was at like 16, 17 I'm sitting there as a kid going Dang, how hot do you have to be to have that many people I, I mean I can bump into people and they won't see me <laughs> it's a spirit it's a spirit it's a spirit. let me get very, very specific here. It's a spirit. I hope I don't offend anybody, but if I'm not offending somebody, I'm not preaching to anybody. It's a spirit. am I, if I'm a woman, do I get more guys looking at me if my coat is like this or like this? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. I just want to feel pretty. You want to feel desired. It's a spirit. Are you willing to burn that? Are you willing to burn that? Are you willing to burn an attitude? Are you willing to burn love withdrawal? I'm not going to talk to you because I want you to know what the world feels like without me in it. I'm not going to talk to you for like two weeks. Are you willing to burn that? Are you willing to burn what you have affection for for something that you're believing for? God can say he has a new thing all he wants to but if you're not willing to burn what you have to receive something that he has you can forget about a new thing don't even call this 2022 keep on calling it 2021 nothing's going to change for you you to live the same life over and over again with the same calendar it's just a different number until we look at our spouse and say, I am I am not here to get you to please me. I'm here to please you and to serve you. And I hope it comes back the other way. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you're still a living sacrifice. Well, I've spent all my time on point number one. <laughs> Point number two. What is point number two? (laughs) Go low and stay low. John chapter 13 verse 14. Jesus got low with his disciples. And he said this in John 13, 14. He says, I am washing your feet. Go do as I do. Go do as I do. If we want this blessing, this anointing, this, this new thing that we cannot even imagine what it is. We have to be willing to go low and stay low. What does that mean? Love is a sacrificial act. Make no mistake about it. There's love at first sight. Every parent has experienced that. The first time you held your baby in your arms, you experienced love at first sight. Bang. Love. There's a love that affection can introduce you to. You have affection and attraction towards someone. And over the course of time, it leads to love. But love does not last if it is not sacrificial. Love must have sacrifice attached to it. And when sacrifice evades itself from love, now it's just commitment. There's no love. You have... Sacrifice must be baked into love. Probably the purest love on the face of the earth is a mother for a child. That child gives her nothing of material value. It costs her money. It costs her time. It costs her her life. It costs her her body. It costs her sanity. (laughs) But even still... I'm willing to sacrifice it all for my little baby girl. I'm willing to sacrifice it all for my son. That's the most pure love because it's of the utmost sacrifice. To go low and stay low, not just for your favorite people, but for everyone. While I was in Miami, I was uh, went to a restaurant with my brother and my, my cousin. And it was on the beach. And um, there was a table perfect table is on the on the on like the patio of the restaurant and if you sat on this side of the table you could watch the waves roll in but if you sat on this side of the table you just saw the back of the restaurant There was two seats where you could watch the waves roll in who um i live i live 95 percent of my life in the in the great metropolitan dry city of the woodlands texas houston I want to watch the waves. I want to see the waves. I want to watch people walk back and forth and roller skate and and ride on 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 what do you call that thing? Skateboard. I, I want to wa- I want to watch. I want to people watch. I want to I want to watch the waves roll in. We have a beach called Galveston. We shouldn't even call it a beach, really. I'm not sure what it is. It's not a lake. It's not a pond. It's not a swamp, it's not a beach. It's it's like mix it all up and that's what it is. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. I'm looking at Miami Beach. I want to look at the beach, but they want to look at the beach too. And so now it's like, oh my goodness. Go low, stay low. Not for your people that you like in every single situation. You go low and you stay low and you go low and you stay low. You go low and you stay low. When you get into a fight, let's always remember the strongest person always makes peace. I know I know what you're thinking. Can somebody else be strong for once? It is what it is. The stronger person always apologizes. The stronger person always makes peace. You go low, you stay low. Jesus does not look at us and say, I don't know that you're sorry. (laughs) I don't know that you're sorry. Are you sure that you're sorry? It's not how Jesus... I I know you said sorry for your sins, but are you really, really, really sorry? He doesn't... You know what I'm saying? How sorry are you? We want to walk with Jesus. We want to experience Jesus. But we don't want to act like Jesus wants us to act. And to say. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new. Whoo Woo. He's doing a new thing. But you and I will never experience it. Unless we're willing to burn it all. And we're willing to go low and stay low. And when somebody spits on us figuratively hopefully and we stand up i'm not going low anymore not for you we may be winning that moment but we're we're complicating the season number three is anybody enjoying this are you okay am i helping you number three keystone habits the only way I can describe what a Keystone Habit is, is two things. Number one, I want to recommend a book to you. It's called, uh, um, Charles Duhigg. Uh, Duhigg wrote it. And, um, it's called, um, uh, does anyone know the, the, yes, Power of Habit. Who said that? All right. You're the hero. The Power of Habit. Thank you. Charles Duhigg. He talks about Keystone Habits. And he tells this story about this lady, I believe her name is Amy. Amy was a divorcee, overweight, $10,000 in debt, a chain smoker, a depressive, constantly crying. And I think she has never held down a job longer than nine months. I think she was in her 40s forties i'm just guessing at late 40s a year later her psychologist caesar she comes walking in the room she's thin she's strong she's hired she has a new boyfriend she's lean and she's positive and she's happy and they said we want answers well, after her divorce, she maxed out her credit card and went to Cairo, Egypt to cry and to bawl. She's sitting on the back in the back seat of a taxi. The taxi's driving down the road and she looks out the window and she sees this desert. She doesn't even know the name of the desert. She says to herself, I'm going to come back in a year and run across that desert. While she's crying in the taxi... I'm going to come back in the year and I'm going to run across that desert. It's going to take me a year to get in shape. And it's going to take me a year to raise the money. She didn't even have a job. She gets back home and she laces up her tennis shoes and she realizes, I don't think I can run across that desert if I keep smoking. So she stops smoking. And then she sits down to eat after she starts her exercising program and says, If I keep on eating like this, I'm not going to be able to run across the desert then she needed to make money. So she went and got a job. And she held down that job. All the way through to the following year. Longer than she ever had before. She gets to Cairo, Egypt. And she finds out how to get across the desert. And they only have. Motorized vehicles that you can pay them. That will take you across the desert. So she's sitting in the motorized vehicle. And she's thinking to herself. I got. In shape, and I trained, and I raised money for this. And then she thought to herself, but my life has completely changed. She got home, and she ran half marathons and full marathons. She became an executive inside of a business, and she got remarried. All that happened because she looked at a desert and said, I'm going to run across that desert. That keystone habit right there caused all the dominoes to fall. It caused her to stop smoking, start eating right, hold down a job, make money. She got completely out of debt. One decision, one keystone decision had this domino effect. I've studied men and women of God. I've studied families that have broken apart and then all of a sudden they come back together again. I've studied husbands and wives that don't ever want to see each other again and all of a sudden they fall in love. How does this happen? How does this happen? Either one or both started a keystone habit. That sounds something like this. I will not be a person... Who talks about prayer more than I pray? I will not be that person. I will not be that person. And that one keystone habit right there sets into motion because after you get done praying, it's very difficult to tell somebody off. It is very difficult to have a bad attitude. It's very difficult to be egotistical. It's very difficult to be self-righteous. When you have spent time with God, your heart changes. Your mind changes. Your life changes. Everything about you changes. Because when you are in the presence of God, it changes everything. Put your hands together for that. Let's remember that God is not just interested in being close to you so that you can have an address in heaven. That is that is, of the highest priority. But blessings do not start <laughs> when you walk down streets of gold. What his desire is for you is not to make you rich, although he may make many of you rich. Just remember me whenever that (laughs) happens. He wants to partner with you to affect your entire world. To affect your world. Most people who pray for other people, deep down inside, they don't think anything's going to happen. But they're doing it because they don't know what else to do. And maybe, just maybe, maybe God will surprise them both and do something. But when you begin to walk with the Lord and you start that keystone habit, you don't, you're surprised when he doesn't do something. It's like, I think I need to pray for you again because something happened here. I'm going to play a video. Um... If you're new here, every Sunday we play a video of somebody who was healed in this church within the last couple of weeks. Every Sunday. But so many things happened when we went to Brazil that I, I feel that I would be stealing God's glory of what he did in Brazil by not celebrating it with you. Now we have... We have testimonies stacked on top of each other that have already been recorded of things that happen here. We've seen blind eyes. We see open ears. This is not a one-off. These things happen every Sunday. But I want to share this particular testimony of what happened in Brazil. It's it's powerful. Take a look at this.
1: Eu preciso de cérebro nasal e eu precisaria reoperar o meu cérebro. E eu vim agora com o corpo. É, e, e eu senti de pedir a Deus por isso. Eu ah, mas é uma renúncia, eu não vou pedir. E eu comecei com muita falta de ar na muito Ele passou, me chamou para o no altar. e ele orou, orou pelo meu nariz, pelo meu, meu pulmão. E eu tô até minha voz, eu tô sentindo diferente, eu consigo respirar. Falei com ele que eu teria que recuperar o meu cérebro da narina esquerda, mas eu creio que eu fui curada. porque até soprar, ele falou que ele nunca pediu ninguém para fazer isso. Ele mandou soprar várias vezes na mão dele. E eu sofrei com força, com fôlego, que eu não tinha antes, para honra e glória do nome de Jesus. que eu não conseguia nem encher um balão. E ele falou que ele nunca fez isso. Que foi o próprio Deus que pediu que eu soprasse umas dez vezes na mão dele com força.
0: So I got to give the back story on that one. Um, I forgot about the details until I was watching it. So I was preaching at a church on a Sunday morning. And um, I had this this word of knowledge. Uh, I think it was, uh, what did she say? It was her her Yeah, something about, I can't remember what it was. So she comes down, and she's on the stage, and um, I'm praying for her. Now, my microphone's not on. There's prayer partners praying for people, and I'm praying for probably nine people. But when I get to her, she's like in the middle of the line. She couldn't breathe through her left nostril or right nostril or something like that and so i I told her to hold down the nostril that she could breathe out of to to that way she 'll know when the miracle happens, so I start praying for, her, and not a lot is happening and I have this thought and, and the thought comes to my mind and, in chiago he's he 's on our staff he 's interpreting and It was so crazy that I was embarrassed to say it. And I wanted a different interpreter because I didn't want to come back home and him look at me like, bro, what was that all about? But it was just like this quick thought. And so I I said to her, I want you to blow my hand. I put my hand right in front of her face like this. I said, I want you to blow my hand. And I've never in my entire life asked anyone to blow at my hand. That has absolutely nothing to do with not being able to breathe through your left nostril. It was just this fleeting thought. And so I just like. The healing really isn't happening anyway. I'm going to go with this. So I put my hand up and I said, blow up my hand. And she looked at me and I said, blow on it. I'm like, I'm, I'm like the referee that calls a call in a football game and I say it with a bunch of confidence, you know. But in my head I'm like, I, don't know, I hope this is God because this is weird. So I said, blow up my hand. And she goes, she seemed intimidated by my request. Like she didn't want to do it. So I said, blow on it. So she goes. Then she takes a big deep breath. And all of a sudden she drops her head and starts bawling. And she has not been able to blow up a balloon since she was a little girl. And as soon as she was able to take a deep breath And fill up her lungs and blow. That was the first time that she was able to fill her lungs up that much. And as she was blowing, when she took her next breath, she could bleed through her nose. So two miracles happened in the same moment as soon as she blew. She starts crying. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. She starts crying. I looked at Chiago and I'm like, what's happening right now? And she's, I can't, I've never been able to fill my lungs up to a full breath. And I've I've never, I haven't been able to breathe out of this nostril in years. First, I want to say this. When you feel this little impromptu thought, go with it. Go with it. What's the worst that can happen? It's the worst that can happen? Just go with it. Say, hey, I think this could be God. And if it's not, I'm sorry. Number two, our church sees miracles so often that whatever miracle you need, I am sure that this first Sunday of the new year is supposed to start off with healings would you stand up on your feet for me please is there anyone here you have a gallbladder issue a gallbladder issue if it's you I just want to pray for you. Just come out of your seat real quick. Is it you? Oh, the Lord's going to bless you. Stand right here. Stand right here. A gallbladder. And I'm looking at her put her hand on her chest. Is there someone here that can't get a full breath? (sighs) Like what I was describing. You can't get a full breath. It's been a long time. To be able to fill your lungs all the way up with air. That sounds silly to the person that can do that, but once you can't do it, it gets it gets really scary. I'm not going to embarrass you. All I'm going to do is just ask you to stand next to this young lady right here and I'm going to pray for you. It may be COVID related. Ever since you had COVID, you're over it now, but you can't breathe fully. It's respiratory. If that's nobody, that means I I was just talking to myself. But I feel like it's somebody in the room. What I'm going to ask you, please don't come up to me after service and say, you were talking to me, I just didn't want to come down because I was embarrassed. Please don't do that. I, I know it's embarrassing. But the room needs to see that God speaks. Is it you? Thank you. Prayer partners, come down quickly because it, it, there's healing in the air right now. The only thing I ever ask is when somebody gets healed at Celebration Church that you'll tell us about it. These two, these two people will—I'll put all the money I have on it. When somebody, when, when a condition gets called out and someone says that's me, it's the equivalent of of me saying your name. But if you need a healing that I haven't called out I only called out two come down like it's in the atmosphere he's in the atmosphere so come out of your seat if you need a physical healing an emotional healing maybe it's your finances like you feel like you have holes in your purse it doesn't matter how much money you put in you never have enough whatever it is Whatever it is, I want you to come down and take the hand of a prayer partner. There's no official dismissal today. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let me say this. This is the first Sunday of the year. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, and you don't know where you'd spend eternity, make this Sunday, what's today, the second or the third? The second? You'll never forget January 2nd, 2022. Because that was the day that you gave your life to the Lord. The Bible says that if you're ashamed of him in front of people, he'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. If you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner.